Good to be with you this morning. Uh, I'm in a weird mood this morning. I hope I don't train wreck, but uh, good to have you with us. Uh, welcome to the train wreck, okay? So uh, it's great to be with you this morning. My name's Tim, and um, if this is your first time here, uh, just sit back and relax. We're having lots of footballs going on this afternoon, and my beloved Packers will be playing those pesky bears in Chicago. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. But I uh, hope uh, you have a great September Sunday. It's beautiful outside. Enjoy this. September is one of my favorite months of the year. We're in a series of lessons called Meeting Jesus, and uh, we've learned that Jesus drew lots of crowds. He lived the life, you could say, of a rock star, and then, uh, but he was also interested in not only in, in crowds, he, his heart went out to crowds of people, but he also liked getting with individuals. And so the Gospels record 40, over 40 different encounters uh, or, or similar encounters of people that met Jesus face to face. Jesus wants to meet you face to face. And it's not because you're in trouble, you know, to, to get, you know, to, to punish you. He wants to know you and have a great relationship with you. And I hope that, you know, by attending here and by going through this series, we're going to learn uh, a couple of things. And that is that how God loves us, but also how, how to treat people. Jesus gives us all these, He met all kinds of people. And he shows us how to treat all these different kinds of people. And today I want to talk about how Jesus treated the sick. I don't know if you're sick today, if you know one that's sick today, but there's two things about Jesus when you read the scriptures that leap out. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure this out. You notice it. And that's his teaching and his healing. He is teaching and healing. Teaching and healing. And, and, uh, you can't, they, they seem to be constantly going on. Every, when his ministry started, he had a teaching ministry, but he also was interested in healing people of diseases, of sickness, of emotional, emotional disorders, of course, and spiritual sickness. He was very interested in that too. A lot of times we get this idea, to, even today, that Jesus may not be interested in healing me physically. Yeah, he is. He's interested in healing you physically. But he's also after a spiritual disease that each of us have, that virus. It's called sin. And he wants to help us with that as well and heal us of that. Look at this passage. If you want to look on your notes, we've got a set of notes you can follow along. Or you can look up here on the screen. And look here at Matthew chapter 8. It says, That evening people brought to Jesus many who had demons. I want you to notice how many times in these passages we're going to look at today, demon possession or demons are referred to. It's important. It says, many who had demons. Jesus spoke and the demons left them. And he healed all the sick. He did these things to bring about what Isaiah the prophet had said. He took our suffering on him and carried our diseases. The Hebrew writing there, this carried our diseases, literally means he healed our diseases. And he's not just talking about the spiritual side, but the physical side. That's why he's called the great physician. Because he is interested in healing you. Interested in healing me. In Matthew chapter 4, look what the Bible says here. Jesus went everywhere in the country of Galilee. He taught in the synagogues, those are Jewish churches, and told the good news about God's kingdom. He healed all the people's diseases and sicknesses. The news about Jesus spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all those who were sick. They were suffering from different kinds of diseases and pain. Some had demons inside them. Some suffered from seizures, and some were paralyzed. And look at these four words that say it all. Jesus healed them all. Praise God. He didn't heal some of them. They all walked away healed. I don't know where we get this idea that, you know, that uh, healing, and we, we were afraid to talk about healing. We we're afraid to talk about the sick and how, how Jesus can help them and heal them. But it seems to be a, a, a popular notion and, and maybe we're trying to justify that not everybody is healed. And therefore, you know, well, you know, Jesus didn't heal everybody, we say. Well, I want you to know this morning, Jesus wants to heal everyone. That's important to realize. Everybody Jesus comes in contact with, He wants well. He wants them healed. And He met all kinds of people with illnesses. Think about that for a minute. All kinds of people. There were lame people. One guy had a shriveled hand. Another guy, another woman bled for almost 40 years, was bleeding for 40 years. The people had been blind. People couldn't speak. People had fevers. Some believe that, that for reference to fever might have been typhoid, something like that. 
It was popular disease at that time. And demon possession. He even healed an amputation when you stop and think about it. Remember Malchus lost his ear? And he went, oh, that's not, that's not good. Let's put that back on. And he put it right back on. That is cool. No wonder he's called the great physician. No wonder are the lines of people waiting to, to, to hear from him and to have, him, have them see him because he made people well. You know, at, 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 at the Lord's office, at his doctor's office, you didn't see a hearse backed up to it. Guys, if you go to the hospital or if you go to a doctor's office and the hearse is there often, you might want to avoid that hospital or that doctor. I'll never forget when I was looking for a doctor, I went down the list at St. Anthony's. How about this guy? He looks smart because they didn't have a doctor. And the nurse goes, oh, he's, he, has, he can't take any more patients. And then, how about this one? This looks pretty smart. Oh, uh, you know, he can't take any more patients. What about this guy? I mean, he looks kind of smart. Well, yeah, he, 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 he's got some openings. How come? Why has he got openings? I mean, what's that all about? Jesus had gobs of people coming to him to get healed, and people left better shape. They left in better shape. Now, one thing's for sure. Jesus wants to heal everyone. The other thing, though, is Jesus didn't heal or didn't eliminate all sickness. He didn't heal everybody. Even after he... I I was telling the first service, you can imagine him ascending into heaven, and as he's ascending into heaven, you hear somebody coughing and wheezing in the crowd or something. You know what I'm saying? There were still sick people on earth. He didn't get get to everybody. He didn't heal everybody. We often ask ourselves, well, why didn't he do that? Why didn't he heal everybody? Could it be that he didn't heal everybody because he wanted to leave a few behind for you and I to take care of? That maybe, maybe the reason there's still sick people... By the way, there's still sick people on this planet... Because we live in a broken world. I mean, was Adam and Eve ever sick? Did they get sick before or after the fall, if they did get sick? I think after. That's my opinion. I don't think they had a sniffle. They didn't have any problems until after sin came to this world. And it gives you an idea that sin may have some connection. Something spiritual may have something, some kind of connection to our physical well-being. You know, dis- disease comes from that idea of dis-ease. You know, something's amiss, something's wrong. And sometimes, you, have you ever been so emotionally worked up about something that you got sick physically over it? And that's how sometimes spiritually it works, too. It's amazing how many people are sick. They can relate it to feeling guilt or shame about something. Now, I'm not saying to you this morning, if you've got a cold, that there's something, you know, you've got a spiritual problem. Okay? Just because somebody's coughing or sniff, some of your your cough, you're fighting the cough. I don't want anybody to see. He's he's got a demon. That doesn't necessarily mean he's got a demon either. Okay, it just means that he's coughing. Okay, or she's sneezing. It may not have anything to do with sin at all, but it could. Let me ask you this: sickness has always been around. Let me ask for those of you who have either experienced or are experiencing a major disease. Would you please stand? A major illness or disease? Would you stand up? Okay. How many of you have had the stay, stay standing? Stay standing. How many of you have had the flu? Why aren't you standing? Stand, stand up, flu people. Stand up, flu people. You've ever, if you've ever had the flu, are you sick? Anybody ever had a broken bone? Would you stand? Don't count the skull. Well, look at that. Look at that. Have a seat. Now, I want to say to the rest of you, wow. We're sick people all around us. At any time we get sick. I was talking to the first service about the flu. You know, I had the flu one time, and it was bad. I never had it before. I thought I'd had it before. Flu is awful. I laid in bed for two days. I couldn't even get out of bed. And so sickness is all around us. And Jesus still, it it was all around Jesus, and yet he wanted to heal everybody he met. Everybody he met, he wanted to heal. heal. Guys, I want to say something to you this morning, just to think about this. If we as a church, his body, you know, his, his, when he was, when God was in his body, he walked around healing people. And today his body is the church. If we are not paying attention to sick people, what kind of church are we? What an awful church we are. What a pitiful church we are if, if we're not paying attention to those that are sick around us. I've asked Stephanie to come up 
and talk a little bit about what's it like to be sick for 15 years. And, and I want you to listen to, just listen to, and see if you can identify those of you who have been sick before. Come on up here whenever you can. Of what it's like, what you feel like, what kind of thoughts go through your mind when you're sick. It might give us an idea of why Jesus wants to heal us so desperately. I asked Stephanie to put that together yesterday. So um, I, I know there's several people here I could have asked to do this, but I knew she wouldn't kill me if I asked her at the last minute. And uh, can, can you identify with anything she's talking about? Oh, of course. We all, we all have had those moments where sickness takes us out of the game for a while. It takes us out of what we'd like to do. And, you know, and, Jesus may, and sometimes Jesus does change our role and change our function in the body. And, he, and sickness can do that. We're still useful even though we're sick. We're still important even though we're sick. We still can make an impact even though we're sick. So maybe that's why sometimes Jesus doesn't make us well yet. He wants to use us in a different way. I don't know. This Trying to figure that out is above my pay grade. I just don't know. I don't know how to figure it all out. All I know is that Jesus, when he was around people, he wanted to heal them. And, and he wanted to use them. And, and, uh, and I learned from him. And that's one of the things I want to do in this series, is learn from Jesus how to treat people. I know that we're going to learn about how to treat Jesus in this series, too. Because Alan and Gary are going to be doing some of these lessons, and they're, and they're going to approach it in a different way as well. But today, I just want to talk about how do you treat sick people, Jesus? How, what was your secret? What, do you, what did you do? You wanted to heal everybody. You wanted to help everybody. You, you came to carry our diseases. What did you do? Well, I think there's a great passage here in Mark chapter 1 that really captures this. The, the story of the leper is found in all four Gospels, but for some particular reason, Mark puts more detail into this. The shortest Gospel of the four puts more detail into this account than the other three. And we could read it together. It's up here on the screens if you'd like to read it. I'm reading it out of the New Living Translation. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, Everyone is looking for you. Do you know why everybody's looking for Jesus? He just spent the day before healing people. So they're looking for that. But Jesus replied, We must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. There's that word, casting out demons again. Interesting, isn't it? A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, get this, he asked Jesus Christ, the Son of God, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him and said, I am willing. The Greek, literal Greek means, I want to. I want to. He said, be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. What? After he heals him, then he kind of gives him a, okay, now you listen here. He gives him a warning. Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along an offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you've been cleansed. He's referring to Leviticus chapter 14. When you had leprosy or you had infectious disease and you were cleansed of it, you were to go to the priest at the temple and you would make some offerings to say you were clean. And everybody knew from that that you were cleansed by God. There was no one. There was no cure for leprosy. Only God could cure leprosy. Don't forget that. Only God could cure leprosy. Now let's face it for a minute here. Let's think about this for a second. We live in a society that's too busy to notice sick people. We live in a society that's so busy with our stuff, we haven't got time to think about sick people. In fact, sometimes we push it off. We sweep it under the rug. We look the other way. Now you say, I don't know about that, Tim. Well, well, let me ask you this. What do you do when you see someone devastated by an illness? What do you do when you see somebody in a wheelchair or on oxygen 
or they have some apparatus attached to their body, don't you find yourself kind of just, uh, maybe I'm the only 13-year-old here. i, I got to be honest with you. There's times I go, oh, oh my. And you kind of, you kind of put some distance there. We, we don't have much use for the sick. I mean, after all, how useful can they be? They're sick. They can't contribute like they used to. And so there's a, there's, we can quickly, unless we're sick, that's different. When I'm sick, I want everybody to pay attention to me, take care of me. But when someone else is sick, I'm not as excited. You know, I've had a lot of people uh, have done this to me. They call me up. So-and-so's in the hospital. And, well, I thought you ought to know because we are the preacher. You're supposed to go by and see the sick people. I want to clarify something here. I, I go see sick people. I'll go see him in the hospital. But, you know, sometimes when you ask the preacher to go do that and he shows up, the people in the hospital think they're dying. <laughs> what are you here for, Tim? I just I heard you in the hospital. Oh, no! It's only supposed to be a tonsillectomy! I'm going to die! No, you're not! I'm just here to, to say hi! No, you're not! You're going to perform last rites! And what is that? I, I, I don't do any of that right stuff. I'll never forget, years ago, I went by to see uh, a woman by the name of Jeanette Seacrest. Some of you know who that is. And Jeanette was at, at a hospital, I can't remember, Granite City. I think it was Granite City. Half that hospital was shut down. You know, you walk in, it's like a ghost town. You're walking around, what in the world? There's empty corridors. I'm in the wrong, obviously in the wrong part of the hospital. I finally made my way to her, and I, I'm getting to talk to her. Little do I know, two days later, she would be dead. Had no idea. I had people saying to me, what are you doing going to the hospital on a Sunday afternoon? That's, that's not a good idea, Tim. If you start going to the hospital and visiting people, they're going to expect it. What? I had I, a close friend of mine discouraging me from going and visiting sick people. Well, let me tell you something. I went and saw Jeanette. We're talking about, about life. She seemed to be fine. Two days later, she's dead. I'm doing her funeral you want to know who's glad they went by and saw her at the hospital? It's me. The other day, I just got a call, and, and uh, Donna was in the emergency room. Bill calls me, Tim, Donna's in the emergency room. I, you know, I get out of bed, and I, and I get down there, and there she is, and they got all kinds of hoses and stuff hooked up to her, whatever you call them, wires. And, and, <laughs> and I walk up, and how's it going, Donna? I don't know. I'm a little dizzy. I'm, I'm not wondering about what And And we just sat there, and I hold her hand. We just talk. Bill's there. Her daughter's there. You know, Bob and Faye are there. There's more people. We're kind of, you know, it's like the Lord's Supper in a phone booth. It's a little crowded in this little room. (laughs) Listen, I'm glad. Call me when somebody goes to the hospital. I want to know. But there are times I've wondered when that person hangs up that phone. They may be a closer friend, and they're not going by. And they somehow think the preacher's got some supernatural power, you know, or supernatural responsibility. Jesus loved helping the sick. He wanted, there was a special place in his heart for people who were ill. He either was teaching or healing people. Look at this passage in Matthew 14. It says here in Matthew 14, verse 14, When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, He had compassion on them. And what's He do? He healed the sick. He healed their sick. Now here's a passage that's not on, not on the screen, but it's in your Bible. And if you want to see it yourself, it's in Psalms 147, verse 3. And it says this about the Lord. The Lord renews our, helps, our, our, renews our hopes I'm sorry, and heals our bodies. Even in our passage we've read today, here in Mark 1. Is that up on the screen now? Here we go. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out to the leper and touched him and said, I'm willing, I want to be healed. So it's a desire. The sick matter to Jesus. The question I'm asking you this morning is, do they matter to you? Do they matter to you? His compassion shaped how he approached sick people. And so my compassion is going to shape how I approach people too. And so I pray 
that this morning we will crave the compassion of Christ toward the sick. Toward anybody for that nature. But today, especially toward the sick. Because when I do, I approach the sick like Jesus. Well, how does he approach the Jesus? What can I learn? I can be like Christ and approach the sick, first of all, when I'm willing to get with the sick. This is a very easy lesson when you stop to think about it. I love it when the passage does it for me. Okay? But, you know, guys, he, Jesus didn't avoid the sick. He didn't pass the buck off at hey, Peter. Let me give you the ability to heal people. He did give his disciples the ability to heal people. I'm not sure he did at that moment, you know, early in the ministry. But he could. He did give it to them. He could have, could have easily took Peter to the side and said, hey, Peter, you take care of healing this problem. I've got a... Hi, uh, this sick people weird me out, man. No, he's not that way. He doesn't avoid the sick. In fact, he goes to great lengths to be with sick people. He'll adjust his schedule. He'll adjust his life if it means being with sick people. Look at this. Look at this. And even our text, look what it says. That evening after sunset. Now, when it says that evening after sunset, I thought, well, then what happened before? And when you read Mark 1, Mark goes, he starts off with John the Baptist a little bit, and he gets right into the ministry. He skips a bunch of stuff, gets right into the ministry of Jesus, and guess what he's doing? Healing people. Right and left. In fact, on his way to Simon's house, Simon goes, uh, Jesus, uh, um, you need to know something. What's that? Well, m- my mother-in-law is sick. So don't expect the food to be good or you know, things to be cleaned up. She's been sick. Usually she's really in there, but she's sick right now. I thought this is interesting. Here's a guy who's concerned about his mother-in-law. Hmm. Hmm. Mother-in-laws? Really? Your mother-in-law? Yeah. I'm surprised how a lot of, lot of guys have poor relationships with their mother-in-laws. I was thank, I'm so thankful, God, I had a great relationship with my mother-in-law. I heard the old, remember the old joke about, you know, I'm kind of ambivalent, I'm not sure how to feel. It's kind of like um, my mother-in-law driving off a cliff in my brand new Cadillac. Do I feel good? Do I feel bad? I'm not sure. I know mother-in-laws are not laughing very much. Okay, well, let me get off the lesson. Sorry, bad joke. But the thing that I want you to see, though, is is that the, the day before, he's, he's casting out demons. Then here's Simon's mother-in-law who's sick, and he, she has a fever, and he heals her too. And she gets right to work, starts making stuff. This is not a chauvinistic passage. That's what she does well. You know, Jesus made her well so he could use, so she could be useful. And so he's, you know, that's all going on. And then that happens on the Sabbath, by the way. That happens on the Sabbath. And it's a big no-no to do any work on the Sabbath. Remember, Jesus always getting criticized for that. What says the? It says here that evening after sunset. After the sunset, now it's technically, it's uh, Sunday morning now. It's not the Sabbath anymore. And it says many, many sick and demon possessed people. There's that demon possessed again. Weird. Many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. There it is again. Yeah, He spent the whole night healing people. I thought, well, maybe four or five people, and then He got some sleep. No, it's all night, man. Many people, He's healing them. No, He heal them fast? I don't know. It kind of reminds me of an ER. You ever been to an ER? Now, I know all of us say, well, of course, Tim, we've been to ER. Maybe you've been to an ER as a participant and maybe as a spectator. <laughs> you know, I've been both. Been to the ER both. It's crazy in there. Uh, uh, help that man! He's driving me crazy. The moaning and groaning. Uh, <coughs> That's that colicky cough. You know what I'm talking about? You're like, hurry up. I saw on a billboard, I kid you not, this week I'm putting an autoglass. I saw on a billboard at St. Anthony's Hospital, you only have to wait 12 minutes at the ER to get help. Only 12 minutes. Well, I hope I'm not dying of suffocation or something. That's three, isn't it? I'm thinking 12 minutes, that's nice, I guess. But it's an ER. It's, not, it's what's going on here. The whole town has showed up. Can you imagine that? Here comes this whole town. They're all peeking in the door. The door's wide open. And there's people. But by the way, ERs are not a fun place to be. 
People that are sick are not in a good mood. So Jesus is putting himself around cranky, sick, colicky, complainy, whiny. You ever remember the holidays and your grandparents show up and they start telling you about all their aches and pains? You're like, oh, hurry up, Christmas. Come and go because this is killing me. So he's got this, all this is going on all night. And Jesus doesn't flinch. Why? Because he knew when he came to earth, he was coming to a cesspool of disease and sickness and sin. And who am I, who are you, to think that we can somehow sidestep sickness and illness in our own life or in the lives of people we love and care for? They're all around us. Can you believe how many people stood up? And I'm sure we could, everybody could stand up for something. They've been in the hospital for something. You see, the church is a hospital. The church is going to be sometimes around Christians who are supposed to be so perfect. It's going to be like an ER room. Spiritually speaking, physically speaking, emotionally speaking, we're all going to have be hurt somewhere. And there's going to be coughing and hacking and complaining and moaning and groaning. And, and guys, why do we expect the church to be so neat and proper? It's sloppy. It's a sloppy place. You know, I, I love our building. Kind of. I love our building. Kind of. I have to say kind of every time. Why do I do that? I don't know. And what, what, what is it, Tim? The coffee stains on the carpet? That doesn't what bothers me. We got ripped up carpet in the back. That doesn't bother me. We got holes where, you know, kids love to throw old people through in the wall. Maybe it's the other way around. I don't know. It happens. You know, we got leaks. We got this upkeep. Yada, 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 yada. And, you know, people, you get, gotta have a good first impression when you walk into church because it better look good so they know, oh, you take good care of things. Like our building is our message. We got problems if that's the case. No, it's what we do. It's what we do. You know, hospitals are constantly remodeling and, and changing things and fixing things. Why? Because they use it. And guys, here you are in the kingdom of God. Here you are in a, in a church. And are you expect, if you're expected to be alleviated of all sickness and disease, you're in the wrong place because this is a hospital for sinners. And this is where, where you're going to find it more than ever. And you know what? I'll tell you what, guys. I want the sick coming here. The emotionally and the spiritually and the physically sick coming here. I don't want them going to the bar across the street. I don't want them going to Islam. I don't want them going to Nothing. You know what's funny? I found as I was reading all this, there's very little reference to physicians in the Bible. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being a doctor. Luke was a doctor. But there's very few references of physicians being recommended. I think well, Jeremiah says, Is there a bomb in Gilead? Is there a physician anywhere? Is there a doctor in the house? You know, Jesus one time said, You know, the physician doesn't come for those that are well, he comes for the sick. I have come, there's a reference, maybe he's saying he's a physician, like of a doctor. I've come to call sinners to repentance, not the righteous. Back, back in Bible times, when you were sick, you didn't go to a doctor, you went to a spiritual person, you went to a priest. Because it was believed back then that God is the true healer of every disease. Today, there seems to be nothing but options. For a lot of folk. And this church, guys, its grit, its what it's about is going to be determined by how we help sick people. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually. That's where our reputation is going to be built on. And if a hearse keeps backing up here, people aren't going to come here. 
Now Jesus, he, and what I notice about him is, again, is that he is just, he's the kind of, he's, he's the kind of person, when he cares about the sick, he says, look, I want to, I want to, they have a special place in my heart, and I'm going to be with them. I'm going to be with them. I'm going to be among them. And I, if it's all night, I'm going to be with them. And you know, uh, if you know anything about Tom Tarantino and Jackie, you know, Tom takes care of Jackie. His wife is, he's t- now is she still eating well? Yeah? I mean, he was telling me she's eating a lot now. That's so good. That's great news. In our discipleship group, our guide time, I have Jim Shrimp and Tom Tarantino and Don Yoder and myself, and we get together, and somebody always asks Tom, how's it going at home? And he tells us, and it's, most of the time it's not good news. But this week it was great news. Great news. And I, and I thought to myself, all I could think about was, was that just how, how exhausted Tom is taking care of his wife and his mother-in-law. I think, Madison, are you still mowing his lawn or you were mowing his lawn? You mowing his lawn? You was? Okay, you got fired? What happened? What happened? Okay. Yeah, but I know, I know Tom was telling us, you know, Madison comes over and mows my lawn for me. You know, you'd never know that. You'd never know. Madison doesn't walk around going, look what I'm doing. He does, he's not that kind of guy. But he knows Tom's exhausted. He knows it takes a lot of energy. And, you know, Jesus spent all day, all night, when he wanted it, you know, evenings when you sit and relax, he's taking care of people. He's, he's letting people be with him. And he's being with them. But look what it says in the next verse here. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Uh, that's where he's getting his strength here. Later, Simon and the others went to find him. They said, hey, do you, do you know everybody's looking for you? He goes, well, I've got to be preaching. I've got to be teaching. We've got some cities to go to. So they're heading over, and, and they're teaching and casting out demons. And it says, this man of leprosy walks up to him and meets him. And what's Jesus do? It says, filled with compassion. He says, I'm willing to heal you. He doesn't get an attitude. He doesn't try to avoid him. He doesn't pass the buck. He says, I want to help. And it starts by being simply available. Accessible and available to sick people. You know, Job's friends, you read about the book of Job and Job's three friends, I think it was a fourth one too, his friends were not really great. They, they, they thought they were being encouraging. They were confronted. They were, not, they were saying some really good things, but it wasn't fitting in the situation that Job was in. That, that's the best way I could say it. But at least you've got to give them credit for something. When they, when they started getting with Job, they did the right thing. It says in, in Job chapter 2 that they sat down on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights with no one speaking a word to him, for they saw that his pain was very great. They just were there. When I went to preacher school years ago, we had a, we had a class called The Preacher and His Work. Yes, there's actually a book written about the preacher and his work. What's a preacher to do? You know, all these little tidbits of information to help you be a great preacher. And one of them is a chapter, there's a very thin chapter on the hospital and the sick. Like three pages. Okay. And I, I said, and our instructor's going through it and he goes, and he takes the book and slams it and goes, forget that chapter. Let me tell you what you do, Tim. Well, what do I do? You show up and you shut up. I can show up. I don't know about that shutting up part. That's going to be hard. <laughs> show up and shut up. You, Tim, just be in with people. If somebody experiences a death, if somebody's sick, just be in with them, says volumes. Just, just including them in your life makes a big deal because you're saying they matter. You, you've, the greatest, guys, listen, the greatest thing you can give somebody, the, one of the greatest, if not the greatest expression of love, is giving somebody your attention. Just simply giving your attention to somebody. And that's what Jesus does to this leper. You've got to remember, this guy's an outcast. He's overlooked. Nobody wants to have anything to do with him. But Jesus does. And you should too. Don't let the sick, don't overlook the sick. Don't overlook the sick. As I was preparing this, uh, this lesson, I come across a little article called How Social Isolation Can Make You Sick. I couldn't believe it. He's, basically, the article is saying it's not good to be alone. That we're made to be social creatures and we need connection. And, it, and, it's, and guys, it's sickness itself that takes us away from these relationships, right? 
And, 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 they, and they talked about how when we isolate ourselves, uh, what happens is our, it, it messes with our blood pressure, our bone density. It messes with our immune system. It creates more inflammation. And our li- it shortens our lifespan. That's just a few of the things. But having active friendships, having people involved in your life can improve healing and your health. Now, Jesus shows that His presence is powerful. When He walked into a room, He healed. people got healed. Don't underestimate your, your presence. Let me say it again. Your presence is powerful in the lives of sick people. How is that, Tim? You know, we always think, well, if somebody's sick, call the big guns. Call the elders. You know, James says, if anybody's sick, get the elders of the church. You know, get some big guns in there. Can I tell you that the reason you're just as powerful, if not more, just as powerful as anybody else in this church, when you, when you bring yourself into the environment of a sick person, you bring Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of prayer into that situation. So don't underestimate the power of your presence. Number two, I approach the sick like Jesus when I'm willing to speak to the sick. That sounds almost insulting, doesn't it? But you'd be surprised how little we talk to the sick. What do we say? What do we talk about? You just said, show up and shut up. Now you're saying, I've got to talk to them. Well, I'm saying when you talk to them, you're acknowledging their value. When you give them their attention, you're saying, you, you matter. And when you begin to talk to them, it, it has a profound impact. Jesus, it says here in Mark chapter 1, moved with compassion, reached out and touched him and said, I'm willing, be healed. And the guy was instantly healed. Now, I'm not saying that your words, you go into somebody and say, be healed, that that's what's going to happen. But I do think your words and my words have a healing impact on people. Look what it says here in Proverbs 12. It says, the words of the wise soothe and heal. What's he saying? He's saying, a simple conversation can be powerful in the life of, a, of someone sick. You want to help somebody get better? Talk to them like they're normal, not like they're some crazy alien. There's something wrong. You know, yes, they're sick. Don't, don't be afraid. Don't ignore the elephant in the room. Of course they've got cancer. Of course they have leukemia. Of course they've got some lesion or, or they've got some kidney issue. Of course they've got you know, pink eye. My brother had pink eye. Stay away from him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I understand. Don't ignore it. We have people come to Greater Alton in wheelchairs. We have, we've had people come in with apparatuses attached to their body, hoses up their nose. And, you know, I watch some of you and you're like, oh, what in the what? And there's some of you that are like, that ain't going to stop me from talking to you and being friendly with you. You get it. Because a sick person knows there's something abnormal right now about them. And they crave for normal. They just want to be treated like a person. Not necessarily a patient, but just a person. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. I guess it matters what kind of word you use. If you walk in the hospital and go, no, what happened to you? I don't think that's going to help. You might want to reconsider... But what, I'll tell you, kind words, sweet words, tender words, they give health to the body. They help the body. They lift the spirits. My brother one time came over. I had a hernia, hernia surgery, and he tried to make me laugh. And I said, stop, you're going to make, make me laugh, and that hurts. But I didn't, I didn't yell at him because I had a hernia, and if I yelled, it would hurt. <laughs> but, but I mean, it was fine. I was like, and there's times I go, I've been to the hospital for some of you, and I'm sorry I made you laugh, and you go, you're, messing, you're, you're, you're stretching the stitches, stop. But sometimes it's the sweet words, the kind words, the funny words. Sometimes a simple prayer, holding Donna's hand at the ER and praying with her. Wow. Those are encouraging words. Those are good words. They help people. You can pray with sick people. Oh, what do I pray about? Ask God to make them well. He wants to. 
And maybe you have to remind people of their purpose while they're sick. Just because you're sick doesn't mean you're useless. And you, you may express appreciation to them or remind them. Maybe God's just, you're shifting gears here and God's going to put you in another situation where you can use your sickness. By the way, He used, there's lots of examples, aren't there, of people that Jesus healed. He used their sickness to reach others. Absolutely. You guys ever heard of the nocebo effect? I've heard of the placebo effect, but never the nocebo effect. What is that? Well, it's, it's the, the, the impact of words on people, on, on patients. And studies are now, they, they've realized that, and they're teaching right now, doctors and nurses to use better language when they're talking to sick people. Because sometimes if they get too technical, it discourages the patient. Or if they, they maybe give them information they're not really sure about, but they go ahead and they tell them more than really the patient should know or can be confirmed. It can hurt or help the patient in an unnecessary way. So the, the, And that's, that's exactly what we're talking about in these two passages. It's before the nocebo effect was ever coined, it was in the Bible that good words can help people. And Jesus speaks to this leper. Nobody spoke to a leper. The leper did all the speaking. Tome, tome, unclean, unclean. And everybody went, hey, get out of the way. They didn't talk to the leper. Here Jesus is speaking to this man. How refreshing that had to be. To be spoken to. To be noticed. To be valued. When you feel you're useless. You can't contribute. By the way, Luke 5 says he had leprosy from head to toe. He was covered in it. So it's speak, speak to the sick. Do you speak to the sick? Are you kind to the sick? You can speak to... Uh, you know, uh, Stephanie would prefer face-to-face. I'm sure many of you would. Some people don't want to be bothered in the hospital. And we should respect that. But they really need help. They need people in their life. And sometimes a text is nice. A card is nice. A phone call is nice. You just speak. Find ways to speak to the sick. Number three... We're like Jesus in this approach when I'm as a, with sick, when I'm willing to touch the sick. What a simple, powerful gesture. It's a major love language of human beings. A touch does wonders. Move with compassion, the Bible says. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing. Man, touching a leper was a big no-no, guys. Well, you could spread the disease. You couldn't, but everybody worried about that. He could spread the disease. I was reading an article this morning. In 1980, Princess Di rocked the world when she touched an AIDS patient by the name of Tom. Well, you just don't do that. Here's somebody, royal family, who's snubbish and snooty, and she breaks all that apart. Her and Charles are visiting this aid center, and she reaches over and shakes hands with this young man. And the young man in the article said, you know what, when she shook our hand, it changed everything. All of a sudden, people began to start touching us with AIDS. Touch does wonders. The great physician was not afraid to touch people. Look at Matthew 8. He touched her hand and the fever... That's Simon's mother-in-law. Touched her hand and the fever left her. In, in Matthew 9, two guys that are blind, he touched their eyes and said, because of your faith it will happen. And their eyes were open and they could see. Touch has an incredible healing effect. I don't know if you have a memory like this, but one of my earliest memories of touch is when I'm sick and my mother put her hand on my forehead. Is everything Okay. And I'm thinking to myself, it's getting to be okay. Because, Mom, you're touching me. I'm sick. Yeah, I know. Let's get some Vicks Vapor Rub. Oh, boy. And she put that Vicks Vapor Rub on my chest. And, and I, you know, and it just, it, my chest is burning. But do you feel better? Yeah. I mean, the Vicks Vapor Rub has two uses. You know, it's for sinuses. And you can grease tractor wheels with it, too. It's an amazing product. I noticed the tractors never got sick. It was an amazing product. But she would touch, you know, she would just touch me. And that was enough. That was enough. You know, and, and guys, sometimes just a simple touch. I went to the doctor, I had the flu one time, 
and I was so sick, my body ached all over, and he put his hand tenderly on my shoulder to tell me something, and I went, oh. it was just a little bit of relief was from a touch. Don't be afraid to touch the sick. Don't be afraid to hold their hands. Another tremendous memory I have was when I went to see Vernon at his home, and he was two weeks later he'd be gone. And I walk in, and there he is in this hospital bed. He's just lost so much weight, pale, still had that mustache, still had that baritone voice going. And I walk in, he's asleep, or he seemed to be asleep. He was, he was not comfortable. They had him on medication. He was drink, drinking orange juice occasionally. And Karen goes, Vernon, Vernon. And he's, his eyes kind of just wide, wide. Tim's here. Tim, Tim. He reached out his hand, his old bony hand, and I grabbed that thing. Cold. Cold. I remember how cold it was. And I sat there and held it. Oh, Tim, my friend, Tim. <laughs> and he fell asleep. I come to visit him and he fell asleep on me. <laughs> she goes, Tim, he hadn't had any sleep. You know, powerful just to hold his hand and he feels safe he doesn't feel alone touch is powerful don't be afraid to touch the sick I would suggest you give a big bear hug to some people because they're frail of course not but nothing with a hand on the shoulder or a stroke of the hair or a kiss on the hand you know I Donna was, you know, we're just, I'm just holding her hand. I've held a lot of women's hands. My wife doesn't seem to mind. And I don't mind. I don't mind holding people's hands. I don't know what else to do sometimes. And Donna's fine. Now I want to talk about this fourth thing, and this is the one I, this is where I don't know how to land this sermon. So it's going to be like a 747 on ice, all right? So we don't know what's going to happen here. So just. Bear with me. I approach the sick like Jesus when I'm willing to care for the spiritual disease of the sick. I See, Jesus saw not just physical sickness. He saw spiritual sickness. And they're connected. Not every time, not every time, but, a, but it's popular and it's often that my physical ailment comes from something down in my heart. What are you talking about, Tim? Well, I notice he brings something up spiritual in the middle of all this physical healing. Don't tell anyone about this, he says. Go instead, go yourself to the priest. Let him examine you. Take along an offering the law of Moses requires there and for people to heal with leprosy. That's what he says there in Mark 1.44. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. That a part of his, a part of this whole experience of getting better, there's a spiritual aspect of it. Now, during the time of Jesus, it was very popular to believe that when you were sick, it was connected to some kind of, some form of punishment for your sin. Remember John 9? We just read about it in Everyday People or the daily text that we got online right now. And today's text, it's about the, the guy born blind. And remember, the disciples asked Jesus. He doesn't wig out. He doesn't get mad at them. But they asked because it's a popular question. So he's blind. he was born blind. Is that because his parents sinned or because he sinned? And what did Jesus say? Neither. This is to display the work of God. It wasn't anybody's fault. So, you know, so if you've got a sniffle or if you've got cancer, it doesn't mean that you've, got, you've done something bad and God's punishing you. Sometimes it's, it's, it has to do with living in a broken world that's got disease in it now. I have to say, though, sometimes we're sick because we've done something sinful that made us sick. We fell on the floor. Five second rule. How come I'm sick? You picked it up off the bathroom floor at a quick trip. What did you expect? Are you insane? 
there's more germs on that egg roll than people in China. What is it thinking? I don't know. I'd be, I'm being silly, but it's true, isn't it? A lot of people have made some horrible mistakes in life, and because of that, they have AIDS, they have cancer, they have all kinds of health issues, emotional health issues, from the sin of not their own, but maybe of someone else. They've been abused. They've been hurt. And so Jesus, you say, well, what are you trying to say, Tim? I, okay. Leprosy is, if not one of the few, it may be the only disease that could not be cured by man. And it was connected a lot to sin. Not to say that, oh, you have leprosy, that means you sin. No, it's like sin. Only God can cleanse it. You follow me now? Only God can cleanse it. And so when Jesus is saying, I want you to go show yourself the high priest, this was something that was connected. He's saying something, you've got a spiritual issue too, guy. It's not just your leprosy. Just imagine, here's a guy who's been separated from society, who knows how many years, covered, covered in leprosy, Luke 5 says, covered in it like we are covered in sin and separate from God's society. And Jesus can remedy that problem. Praise God. He can, he's the remedy to that problem he did carry and heal our greatest disease. And if leprosy is impossible for man to heal and only God can do it, sin I know is impossible for you and I to deal with. Only God can deal with it. And so to help somebody... Listen, I'm not saying every time you see somebody that's sick, well, by the way, are you going to church? You reading your Bible? You better be praying. I'm not saying that. But don't be satisfied with, okay, they're well now. But look at their spiritual condition. Be willing to see the spiritual condition. Because they're connected. They can be connected. Look what David said in Psalms 38 here. My whole body is sick. My health is broken because of my sins. What's he saying? I don't have any health in my body. Now, it's connected to his sinful behavior. So when Jesus speaks and touches this leper and t- speaks and teaches and touches you and I and we're healed, it's of our greatest disease of all. Now what I notice is this. Over and over again I see this casting out of demons, casting out of demons, casting out of demons. And I know some of you are going, so do you believe that a person could be demon-possessed? Do you believe? I am telling you there is spiritual warfare going on as you and I speak right now. And there is a connection between my spiritual condition and my physical condition. And my physical condition could be saying something about my spiritual condition. I appreciate what Stephanie's so honest, what she said. Because, you know, here's what it's done to my relationship with God. It's made her stronger, but she also talked about how it threatened it. Did you catch that? It threatens our connection with one another. It, it threatens our purpose and ministry. And listen, just because you're sick doesn't make you immune to being selfish. You can be fit as a fiddle and be selfish. You know what I'm saying? Sickness might amp, amp it up a little bit. But God still says, hey, look, I want you to do something. I want you to obey the will of God. He tells this leper, go to the priest. And I want to tell you, guys, just because you're sick doesn't mean you're off the hook of doing anything for God. God says, I still got a place for you and I want to use you. And sometimes the spiritual condition is revealed. Jesus said this. He answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now he's saying that he's referring to the healthy and the sick in a spiritual sense. Did you catch that? He's I'm talking I'm not I'm not I'm like a doctor, but I'm a spiritual doctor. 
And I want to help you with your greatest problem. The question this morning, there's two questions here kind of running around my head. One of them is, how am I treating the, the sick around me? I hope you ask yourself that. How, what am I doing with the sick? Do I, do I make myself available? Do I get in there or do I pass it off to somebody else? Do I, am I talking to them? Am I touching them? Do I care about their spiritual well-being? But there's another question I want to ask you. How are you doing? Spiritually speaking, what would you rate your health, spiritually speaking? Because that's the greatest disease, the greatest virus you can have, is this sin that dominates your life. And Jesus wants to heal you of that today. Well, we're on the runway. That's it. I kind of landed it. Kind of hit a bump here and there. What are you going to do today? What are you going to do? Jesus met you. Some of you here, guys, you're Christians. Jesus met you and has just made your life so different than it could have, than it could have been. Hasn't it? Hasn't it changed so much? Yeah. Everything's so different. You've got, you, there's some things that God has protected you from you've ne- you will never experience because you've made Him your Lord. You've made Christ your Lord. But there are some of you here today, guys. You're, you're just spiritually in bad shape. And Jesus wants to touch you. Will you let Him do that? Maybe it's opening the Bible up with somebody. Maybe it's talking to somebody and saying, Look, I just don't feel good in this area of my life. And I need somebody to, I need to, I need somebody to help me find the remedy. That's what that card in your bulletin's for. Give you an opportunity to make a decision or maybe a prayer request you'd like to pray about. I know I may have raised a few more questions and give you answers today, but I hope you will leave this this morning thinking about how you can be like Jesus with those that are sick around you. Because by myself, I can't visit everybody. By myself, I can't help everybody. But all of us here can. All of us here can help each other. We can carry one another's burdens and find healing. Let's pray. Let's pray together here. Father, we thank you for this morning, Lord. And sickness is everywhere, Father. It shocked me to see how many people could stand up. But I, I don't know why. We all we all have been sick at some time in our life. And Father, it's those times when we just feel what, what, of what use can we? We don't have the energy. What use could we be in your kingdom? Of what use are we with in our friendships? We find our friendships damaged by sickness. We find our purpose. We find our emotion, uh, our mental capacity. Everything just gets gets topsy turvy, Father. With some of these diseases, Father, that we experience in life. So, Father, we come to you asking for healing. Father, you know I, I want you to heal Stephanie of her cancer. We want you to heal her of her cancer. And maybe like a child that doesn't see the whole picture, I'm asking. And I'll continue to ask. For we love her so much, Father. Father, I know some of us here have ailments, not just cancer, but other ailments, leukemia, kidney issues, Father. Stomach issues, eye issues. Father, we pray for your healing. But Father, as, as, as we pray for your healing, we pray that you'll use us to help bring healing to someone else. That's what we really, I ask you to do, Father, today is regardless of where, where we are with our health, that you can use us in some way to bring your healing power into the life of another sick person. Father, ultimately, I pray for the spiritual health of this church, the spiritual health of everybody here, Father. Oh, Father, I pray you heal. Help us come to you, the great physician, your son, the great physician, and just bear out what we're feeling, what our symptoms are, and let you prescribe the remedy. Help us just obey what you say. That leper did what Jesus said. Help us do the same. Father, I'm looking at Psalms 103. What a powerful song. Praise the Lord, O my soul, your word says. 
all my inmost being, praise His holy name. We praise You, Father. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. He forgives all Your sins. Father, we will not forget all the benefits. Help us remember all the things we have now. Though we may have illness, we have all these blessings. And most of all, the forgiveness of all of our sin. Oh, thank You. Thank You for that, Father, who forgives all Your sins and heals all Your diseases. Father, I pray the disease You healed this morning is the sinful disease we have on this earth. Father, You say here, You say here, praise You who redeems your life from the pit. Father, You've drug us from the edge of the pit. Some of us right out of the bottom of it. Thank You. And crowns You with love. You crown us, Father. You crown us with love, Your love and compassion. And You satisfies our desires, Father. You satisfy our desires with good things. I love this. He says here to praise You because You satisfy us so that Your youth is renewed like the eagles. Father, I pray You renew the energy and vitality of youth in each of us today. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.